fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. It feels like it's been a while since we last talked to you, but it really hasn't. It's only been a week. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. Bobby Blanco here from the safety of my own apartment in Washington, D.C. I guess I woke up this morning. I felt like we didn't talk last week, but we did. Uh, of course, the season opened uh, last week for the Washington Nationals and their three series down. Thanks so much for making us a part of your Thursday afternoon as the Nationals are returning home with a series victory and getting their second homestand underway. Uh, I'm going to talk to Mark Zuckerman in a little bit. Uh, we'll be talking about things that we possibly glossed over or made too much of a deal about um, within the first week or so of the season. Uh, we're going to chat about him. Thanks again for tuning in. If you're watching live on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, be sure to comment along. We love hearing your comments and reading them out loud as we go. Uh, right now, I'll bring in my co-host, Amy Jennings, who joins me via Zoom from the safety of her own apartment. Amy, like I said, I, I felt like... This last week was two weeks. I don't know why it felt like we didn't podcast last week. Um, as I was preparing for today, I was like, did we not go last week? But we, of course, we went Tuesday. What well, was the new opening day? And this is Thursday. So it's only been nine days, but it feels like it's been two weeks. How are you? It's good to see you. I know it's good to see you, too. I was thinking the same exact thing. I guess it's because over our last span, the week before, I guess, our second to last podcast and last one, there was no baseball. It was supposed to be the opening day. It never happened. And so that went super quick. But this week, I feel like there's been so many games and so much news and everything going on. Uh, we feel like we didn't do it last week, but we did. And we're back, just pushed back to Thursday this week. And something that very important happened over the last week was Bobby's birthday. <laughs> so... Make sure you comment, happy birthday to Bobby. His birthday was yesterday. How was it, Bobby? Do you feel older? Uh, I don't, actually. I, so I turned 29. Thank you, by the way. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I turned 29. Um, 29 is a nothing number, you know. It's, it's not going to be a big deal till next year uh, when I hit uh, 30, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, it's my last year in the 20s, which is kind of crazy to think about. Uh, this time next year I'll be 30. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was nice. The, the weather was kind of bad. The Nationals played an afternoon game, so that was kind of nice to just kind of spend You got a win. You got a Nationals win. And they got a win. Yeah, they got a big win. A, a shutout win, too. Joe Ross looked great. The offense came alive. Z Zimmerman homered. It was it was a fun watch. Um, so, yeah, just did. had a nice breakfast. Uh, call your mother Deli down here in D.C. I live nearby, so that's a, that's always a plus to have. Get a, get a good bagel, Sammy. Uh, we ordered a nice dinner in. Actually, uh, so my bit for my birthday, I always like fajitas um, and from a very specific place nearby where I grew up. Um, but I obviously don't live there anymore, so it was kind of a pain. So we're actually going to be making home-cooked fajitas tonight kind of celebrating my birthday again tonight um i think i've mentioned on the podcast i do like a cooking club uh with some friends and that's what's going on tonight so homemade oh, fajitas I didn't know that. yeah yeah it's kind of wow, fun bobby i'm coming over for you tonight hey well and anytime you're welcome i mean my girlfriend is fully vaxxed i get my second shot on tuesday we're we're, he we're healthy and safe over here so if you want to come by uh i'm happy to cook I, it's grilling season too that's really my forte is grilling season so yeah once it's nice out it's a whole new world Yep. World, yep. I love cooking out outdoors when it's nice out. So that's, we'll have, and we'll be able to finally maybe do a podcast in person, which we haven't done since what, November, December, maybe? Yeah, it's been months. Yeah. Months. So that'll be fun. Um, all right. So, like I said, we'll be talking to Mark Zuckerman uh, in just a little bit. He's going to kind of go over things that, uh, topics for the Nationals that, Maybe little things we made too much of a big deal about uh, over the past week or so, or it's things that we didn't talk enough about. Um, and so that's a, a very interesting conversation with Mark coming up. But for now, Amy and I just kind of want to take back. Like I said, it felt like a felt like two weeks. Kind of go back and see what happened. The, the big storyline, Amy, of course. Actually, first before we get to that, we got to talk about this homestand where Nationals Park is going to be open to twenty five percent capacity. Just over 10,000 fans, of course, a little more than doubling up the 5,000 fans. Amy, I'm excited to see and hear what Nats Park sounds like tonight when they open against the Diamondbacks. Right. I mean, after a tough stretch on the road and they come home, I mean, last year it was like they were coming home, but was there really any home field advantage? Did it even really matter? 
um, besides, you know, sleeping in your home bed. But now it feels like you're really coming home and you have the home field advantage and a seven game stretch at home is really going to work to the Nationals uh, Nationals advantage. Plus 25 percent. That's huge. That's a whole lot more fans in the ballpark, especially when, you know, Max Scherz or Davey Martinez expressed, you know, uh, they were a little bit upset about upper deck not being filled so on so forth so this will be exciting to have a lot more fans in the ballpark and it's really going to make a difference this year i I have a feeling yeah i agree and like like i said i'm interested to see see how it hear or it sounds um and if i we can hear the crowd listening to other parks and you know i've I've checked in a couple other stadiums and, and they sound pretty i mean aside from obviously like Texas, it's been at full capacity, which blows my mind. But anyways, like other stadiums that have a good <laughs> amount of uh, people in that, they sound loud and they made it an effect. And I think even after uh, the Dodgers series, LA had a good amount of people, their stadium's huge, but they were able to get a good amount of people in there too. And I think a couple of the Nationals fan, uh, players were like, hey, that, that was fun. I mean, they got swept, but it was fun playing in front of a crowd that makes a difference. You know, I think Max Scherzer was the one that said, you know, we, lo- we like getting booed. It, that means there's fans in the stands. That was fun. Um, so I'm interested to see how Nats Park turns out this weekend. You know, Saturday is a 1 o'clock game. Hopefully the weather holds up. It's 1 o'clock game Sunday, too. Man, you know, it would be great to see that place, quote, unquote, packed uh, with uh, 10,000. I think it's 10,300 people that max that they can fit in there with a 25% capacity for nationals park. So that'll be exciting. Um, uh, that's, that's good news. Good, good on DC and the nationals to get that worked out. But the other news, Amy is of course on Monday, the nationals got their full lineup back. They got a handful of guys back from the COVID list, uh, the IL. It was back on LA when they got Jan Gomes and Alex Sevilla back. Then Patrick Corbin the following day on that Saturday to make his first start of the season on Monday in St. Louis, it was uh, Josh Bell, Josh Harrison, and uh, Kyle Schwarber adding, and they were thrust right into the lineup. They made that starting their first starts of the season that Monday night, and what would you know it? They they got a W, and the Nationals got their second win of the season uh, with those guys in the lineup. Yeah, I know when the catchers came back, David Martinez was kind of like, I don't want to thrust them right out there, but when those three guys came back, he threw them right out there, and you know, of course, got off to a little bit of a slower start um, to be expected. Um, But then they were the difference in the game, and that makes a huge, huge difference in this lineup. I mean, I try not to dwell too much on having those guys out because I just keep thinking back to the Marlins at the beginning of last year, and they had pretty much their whole roster out and were still able to to make a heck of a season out of it. But it really does make a difference, and you saw it right, right in that game. I mean, their first game back. They were the difference in that game. So you can't really say, you know, without them, you're getting the same results. And hopefully moving forward, they get more comfortable at the plate. We're, we're going to keep seeing um, more and more out of those guys. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely fair to say, and people have mentioned this, you know, these guys were off for a week plus. Uh, that Monday, actually, I think Josh Harrison was the one to point out, that Monday was the first time they played baseball in exactly two weeks. Their last game was the final spring training game of course, down in West Palm Beach two weeks prior. So they were off for two weeks and, and not just off, but like quarantined to their own homes and apartments and not having access to a ballpark and a legit batting cage, pitching machine. You know, we heard pitchers, Steven Strasburg jumping fences and going through bushes just to get to a little league field in Virginia to throw some uh, long tosses. Uh, and Josh Bell's hitting balls off, wiffle balls off a pitching machine in his apartment. Kyle Schwarber is kind of doing the same. It, you know, it's, it wasn't easy circumstances for these guys by any means. And of course, we don't know who was sick, who was not. So, you know, they probably, some guys may, may or may not have had to deal with that as well. Um, you know, COVID being a thing too as well. But in terms of baseball, I think it's very fair to say, hey, these guys had some time off. Let them get their feet wet first and kind of get back into the swing of things. Sorry for the pun. But, you know, they came out and you know, Josh Bell struggled a little bit, which what I just said is fair. But, you know, Kyle Schwarber and Josh Harrison came out and immediately impact the game. Kyle Schwarber, I think, is was like the MVP that night on, on Monday night. He had a fantastic game. Of course, he's used to playing in Bush Stadium. Of course, he's used to facing the Cardinals. But, I mean, I, the national that was a good back-and-forth game. Eric Fetty pitched well that night. Um, but I, I think that that game is, doesn't happen, or the Nationals don't get that W without Bell and Schwarber. They, they contributed a bunch, and they made an immediate impact, which is pretty remarkable considering the circumstances. 
Right, because, you know, Schwarber's at home with his virtual reality goggles while everybody else has gotten over a dozen at-bats. So that makes a huge difference. You don't want to be the one at home in your living room taking swings while everybody else is seeing live pitching. So to come back and make an impact right away is really big, and that's what the Nationals needed. And here's the thing is, it's not, although the Nationals got shut out in three of their first six games without these guys, it's not that they weren't hitting. I mean, they out-hit their opponents in the Dodgers and, in us uh, and the Braves, uh, five out of their first seven games. But it's just that they weren't. It's not situational hitting, and when you're you don't have that depth in that lineup with Bell, Schwarber, and Harrison, it really makes a difference. Um, and you know when they came back, it was I think it was the sixth inning of that game that was a great example of that. Soto gets a leadoff single, Bell walks, Schwarber gets an RBI double, and then Bell ends up scoring on a, a, a Starling Castro sack fly. So that's a great example of when you can lengthen that lineup, you have a little bit more depth, it makes a difference in putting together innings. Whereas without them, yeah, other guys can hit on this team. Don't forget you have Juan Soto, Trey Turner, and Starling Castro still in that lineup, but you don't have that depth, and that's how you string together some hits and, and score runs. So that really makes a difference, and they made the impact in the first game back and snapped a five-game losing streak, which kind of turned things around um, and makes the record not too bad going into this seven-game homestand. Yeah, and looking at some numbers from Josh Schwarber right now, I mean, it's only been three games, but he's hitting 286. He's got four hits. He's slugging 429, which is great. I mean, that that number is high. That means, I mean, hopefully there's guys on base while he's while he's doing this, and that's the idea, right? I mean, he he Josh Bell, and now to now a certain extent Josh Harrison as well are providing that protection for Juan Soto and Trey Turner on top of the lineup. And we saw Monday night, not so much. I mean, we did see production on on Wednesday afternoon. But with Victor Robles bumped down to the ninth hole, we didn't really see that one, two, three of Robles, Turner, and Soto. Uh, but this is what Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo envisioned when they built this roster together. You know, you've got guys getting on base and Robles and Turner who are fast. Um, you got the best hitter in baseball in Juan Soto, and then you've guys you got guys like who with power and can put the ball in play like Kyle Schwarber and, and uh, Josh Bell, and then also now Josh Harrison too. He's having a fantastic start to this season, and we heard FP say it on the broadcast a couple of times in St. Louis. Uh, I'm not in St. Louis while the Nats were in St. Louis, but you know, put the ball in play and good things happen, and that's what these guys were brought here to do, and we saw it play out a handful of times. Uh, they just put the ball in play, good at bats. Again, Kyle Schwarber, of course, is used to pitching or playing at Bush Stadium from his time with the Cubs. But, you know, this is that was kind of almost a sigh of relief, Amy, right? Like, did you have that sigh of relief like I did when you saw? I was very curious that Monday night. I was like, all right, they're in. You know, one, how are they going to look? And two, is this going to play out the way we think it's going to be? Um, and and it, it did. So it was kind of a sigh of relief after getting swept in L.A. Being, okay, you know, they got their guys back. Let's get them some time. But this is going to work. Right. And after the first their first couple of bats are kind of like, oh, maybe this is kind of going to go as expected. It's going to take them a little bit to get back into the swing of things, just like you said. But after that, I mean, I mean, they like we said, were the difference in that game. So it was kind of a sigh of sigh of relief. And it's it is it's just getting runners on and be able to put yourself in the position to score um, and not and not getting out of in, innings for yourself. Plus extra base hits. I mean, without in their first two series, really, they weren't they had like 10 extra base hits in their first six games a whole lot of singles strikeouts um and, and that's not necessarily going to score runs unless you're getting a whole lot of guys on base so these guys came in and they're producing extra base hits so on and so forth so it was definitely a, a relief <laughs> yeah we saw doubles from kyle schwarber uh obviously uh trey turner victor robles i think had one too um the extra base hits aren't coming the home runs aren't coming either which i think will come as these guys kind of get their timing back down. I think the timing is a big issue with these guys. We saw a couple of times, especially that first at-bat, and we're going to hear from Kyle Schwarber in just a minute uh, talking about his first at-bat um, and and then how he made adjustments in his second one. But I think it's a, it was a, definitely a timing issue. You could see both Schwarber and Bell the first time at the plate on Monday just look a little off or just like just a little behind, uh, you know, fastballs. And, and you know, that comes with not playing with two weeks. You know, I mean, th these guys are professional players, but they need their repetition. Baseball is such a sport of repetition. Uh, so I, I think that that's going to come with reps. I th like I said, Josh Bell has only played two games. Kyle Schwarber, three. Josh Harrison now three as well. If they play, more, which they probably will play all four, maybe with the exception of Josh Bell this weekend at Nats Park, 
you know, you could start seeing some more extra base hits, maybe some home runs. I mean, the only guys who have homer for the Nationals so far, Juan Soto and Trey Turner each have two. Andrew Stevenson has one. And, of course, Ryan Zimmerman hit the one yesterday at Bush Stadium. So I, I think that's going to come with more repetition, more at-bats, uh, getting guys, you know, consistent at-bats too, and, and just getting back into the groove of the game. Um, and I, that should come with, you know, just playing. And, and, you know, it's good. It was almost a blessing sort of that they didn't have – off day travel day you know like they are they had an afternoon game on wednesday and come back and, and immediately pl immediately play again thursday night and through the weekend their, their next off day isn't for i think like an, a week or so yeah a week from today uh after they face the cardinals and go on and take the mets so uh i, I think it was you know kind of a blessing that now they're just, they've got it going let's keep it moving and keep them in, in, in some sort of rhythm yeah i think that's a really good point without the having no off day, uh, that could be crucial for these guys just coming back. And the timing issue, just like you said, I think that's exactly it. They just need to get more at-bats and they'll be more comfortable because these guys and Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber are supposed to be the power in this lineup. And that might be why we weren't seeing um, uh, so much power in the lineup in those first two series. So hopefully they can bring that um, and, and do what they're supposed to do in this lineup. But it's going to take more at-bats. Um, and that just comes with consistently seeing live pitching um, and not having an off day coming home, um, I think will only work to their benefit. I was kind of worried after that Tuesday night game, all those runs scored and then having to come out the next day, a day game. But I think it worked better for them than the Cardinals because, you know, you come out, you score all those runs. The next day, you tend to come out a little bit more flat. So maybe that worked to the Nationals' advantage. But I was like, oh, they have to turn around, all these runs scored and, and face them again, a day game tomorrow. But coming home will, will only be good. Yeah, who would have thought that that game, I mean, that happens, right? That's going to happen through the course of a 162-game season. Every team's going to go through it. The Dodgers are going to have a game like that. You know, the Yankees are going to have a game like that. It just happens. But it was just odd that it happened this early in the season and in a game with Steven Strasburg pitching when he pitched six scoreless last week against the Braves, another potent lineup uh, in Atlanta. So, um, I, th yeah. We're not going to talk about Tuesday at all. That's that's in the past. They obviously made up for it with a shutout win on Wednesday. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you kind of shake that one off and, and get right back on that horse, right? That's the best thing about baseball is, like, there's always tomorrow. You can always play tomorrow and, and kind of forget about what happened the day before, both in terms of losses and wins. You know, just because you won 6 nothing doesn't mean you can take the uh, Diamondbacks a little easy this weekend. you got to come in and play and flex your muscles while you're at home against what should be on paper an inferior opponent. Uh, I talked about Kyle Schwarber. Let's hear from him right now because he had some good things, interesting things to say and kind of funny things to say uh, after his first game back with the Nationals uh, and, and um, in St. Louis from Monday. He talked about pregame about how he was going to – he anticipated uh, a first-pitch curveball in his first at-bat. He knows how the Cardinals want to attack him. He's, he's played them so many times in his, his career. And, and sure enough, that's what he got. So here's Kyle Schwarber discussing, uh, you know, his first at-bat, kind of getting the jitters out and getting into the rhythm of playing a game, and then also kind of patting himself on the back for uh, calling his shot uh, before the game. Yeah, the uh, the first two, I felt like the ball was going to come in really, really hard, and it didn't. So <laughs> I had to really slow it down. And, uh, you know, I was, I was just really excited to be out there playing for, uh, playing with the boys. And, um, you know, it, it was just a matter of calming myself down and not, uh, not trying to do way too much. It does know that you got to trust yourself and make your decision from there. Is that a sensation you've ever had before on an opening day? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That, especially that first at bat, man. Yeah, what did I tell you? I told you he was going to throw me a first pitch curveball, and I knew it. I'm like, I, <laughs> I, I was all excited. I, I didn't even see it. My eyes were like, ah! you know, I didn't even see it. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely really fun just to, to be out there. I mean, um, I'm really excited about this team. I, I know that um, this this team's got a lot of uh, potential, and you know, like I said, we just got to go out there and execute, and we executed today. You can just hear it on his voice and look at, see it on his face if you're watching right now with us on uh, Facebook and uh, YouTube. Uh, Kyle, Schwarber, he was just happy to be back, right? I mean, I mean, he was just so excited to be back. He contributed. You know, he had a good game. Uh, it was probably just a big sigh of relief for them, Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell and Josh Harrison, just to be back and playing baseball again. It was it was pretty pretty fun to see. 
Yeah, and you know that this team is happy to have them back um, as well. And let's, I mean, we've kind of glossed over over Harrison, but he's hitting over 500 in that first series. Um, obviously, a small sample size, but it'll be exciting to see what he, what he does because we talked, I mean, I guess, what is two weeks ago now when we were talking about how now he has to be the starting second baseman with uh, – Carter Keyboom out and kind of worried about how he's going to handle that workload. Obviously, we don't know yet because he's only played a series, but he, he we know that he can live up, um, especially at the plate, to, to what he can do. And um, it'll just be interesting to see how he handles that workload. But you have to like what you've seen out of him so far at the plate uh, in that first series, too. Yeah, absolutely. And checking out his numbers real quick. Again, it's only three games, very small sample size, but a 545 average. He's got three hits, six RBIs already, and an OPS well over 1,000, 1,252. And that's way more than you could expect. I mean, mean, quite honestly, and no no shot at Josh Harrison, but that would be very difficult to keep pace. You know, obviously that average is going to go down, that ops is going to go down, but to kind of keep that pace that he's at right now, that would be very difficult over the course of full season. But that is great news like you mentioned for the nationals who had question marks about key boom who had question marks about third base and how they're going to address that and then when they did they needed josh harrison to step up and he had a good spring training too we talked about it a couple weeks ago i think in our what would have been opening day preview episode that josh harrison had a good spring and kind of forced the nationals hand and here we are is proving that them to be right i mean you know the where would the nationals be right now had carter Keyboom been in the situation and no offense to him but like if he was his career average is 200 ish so i mean that wouldn't cut it right now and the nationals probably wouldn't have three wins and they're they're they should have more than three but they're they're good at three and six right now but josh harrison has made an immediate impact for this team uh quickly and you know he has forced their hand and now has forced david martinez that you can't take me out of the lineup right now because i am producing at a rate with the guys hitting in front of me and schwarber bell soto and trey turner i mean i that's where those rbis are coming from because those guys are getting on base ahead of him and he's just knocking them in Right. I mean, obviously, just like you said, we can't look into their numbers too much, only playing in that that three game series. But what is telling about it is that they got off to just a fine start. And that's all you're you're kind of worried about when they come in after sitting the first week. Everybody else is playing games in there at home, uh, not even having access to facilities. So that was key. They got off to a big start. And I think that's what's really telling about those numbers and what we were probably most worried about with those three guys in the lineup. And then you mentioned Steven Strasburg, that big blowout loss coming in Steven Strasburg's start. How worried are you about that, Bobby, just specifically with, with Steven Strasburg? Great question. And it's, you know what, you know, we'll hear from Mark Zuckerman a little bit too. He probably has the better insight into like how worried we should be. Me personally, I am, I'm, it's, it's hard to say, right. You know, because I, First off, the initial reaction, of course, with Steven Strasburg and you hear rubbing shoulders and arms and neck, you immediately think injury, right? Like that is the last thing you want to hear when it comes to a guy like this, considering his injury history and his career. I, I will have to say, every, knowing having more information now, hearing Steven talk after the game, hearing Davey Martinez talk after the game, I would say not that concerned, but still some level of concern. If on a scale of 1 to 10... I would go like a six, six and a half ish, maybe seven, maybe top. But like, it's like it's on the radar, right? And it's definitely going to be worth watching come Sunday uh, for his next start when he faces Madison Bumgarner and the the Diamondbacks. Um, but right now, you know, he said he felt fine, nothing was wrong. He was all mechanical. He just wasn't pitching the way he normally pitches. Um, and then even more so, the next day, Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post, who was in St. Louis, uh, tweeting out and reporting that he was on the field throwing the ball like he normally does after a start and looked totally for- fine. I think if we had not seen that, if Jesse hadn't been there and had not mentioned that, I think there's a little more cause for concern because it's like, all right, then what is he doing behind the scenes that we don't know? But we did see him, or at least someone saw him out on the field throwing pitching like he normally would after a start. I mean, that's going to happen. It's not ideal, of course, but I think it's something that, hey, it could be something that he just shrugs off. If he comes out on Sunday and pitches really well, that could be it. The other thing to keep in mind, Amy, um, was that the day before is when the Nats got their Johnson & Johnson shot. Now, we don't know who got the shot, right? Um, If it was Steven Strasburg, 
maybe it was some lingering effects from there. And, and Davey said no one complained, but I don't wouldn't expect any ball player to complain of feeling sluggish or tired, uh, especially guys who had just came off the COVID list, right? So, I mean, I'm not saying. I mean, we had no information about this. This is just pure speculation on my part. Maybe, just maybe, there was some lingering effects that the guys felt sluggish after that. Um, and, and weren't quite on their toes and ready for that com- that competition. If Steven comes out on Sunday and pitches really well, I think that maybe we can kind of tab it as, all right, maybe it's just side effects from the shot and he's good to go now because he seems physically f- otherwise fine. Yeah, I think that's a good point and definitely a possibility with any of those guys feeling sluggish. Imagine if you accidentally, your pitcher, you accidentally got it in your throwing arm. I definitely can't imagine not- he did, right? Steven had, if he got tragic. it. I don't think they'd, they'd even attempt to make that mistake. And maybe he didn't even get it. Maybe he knew he was yeah. throwing that day and didn't get it. We, we're, we're not sure um, at this point. But I'm with you there. Probably about a six or seven um, as far as concern because we do see that he's on that routine. He was out throwing normally the next day like he always does. It's just it's not a bad outing. It's okay. Everybody's going to have a bad outing here and there. But it's just that just the way he looked, not finishing his pitches. Then, of course, the whole tunnel incident, rubbing his shoulder, his neck the whole time. Um, I think that's what you're you're most concerned about, just the way he looked when he was pitching. Uh, That's what you're a little bit concerned about. And, you know, his injury history, it's just you just never really know. But it does make you feel a little bit better. Davey Martinez and Steven Strasburg himself saying he was feeling fine. Uh, You're just always on the edge of your seat. Uh, with this guy and, and with this pitching staff, but really a, a note and what you want to take away about pitching, um, not just out of the bullpen, we saw great results from them, but that the two wins came in a start from Joe Ross and Eric Fetty, who both really had great outings. I mean, Joe Ross had made 11 scoreless innings for him so far to start the year. Um, that sinker slider combo that he has was working so, so well. And then Fetty t- I mean, his velocity was up. He was striking guys out. I uh, got four four straight strikeouts against the heart of their lineup. Um, so that that's really great to see those two guys stepping up and has to give you a little bit of relief when these other guys, John Lester, still we don't know the status of him, um, that these guys are stepping up and doing what you you know that they can do. Yeah, hopefully we see John Lester at some point this weekend, if not at, for the next Cardinal series starting on Monday. Um, but back to Joe Ross, I mean, if we're talking about level of concern, let's flip the switch and go level of excitement for Joe Ross. And there I'm like an eight or nine, maybe a 10, because this is something that we've been talking about, Amy, since last off season at the end of last season. And we're like, all right, Joe Ross, hopefully we'll be back next season. If he's back to normal, then this helps so much. And he has looked absolutely fantastic to start the season. You mentioned the 11 scoreless innings. He's 1-0. Hasn't given up a run, of course. Nine strikeouts to six hits. He also has three walks. So he has as many strikeouts as he has hits and walks combined, which is, you'll always take that, right? Um, And he just makes such a big difference, right? I mean, he just, this is a domino effect, not just for the rotation, but the bullpen as well. I think if he can get deep into innings, I think he got pretty solidly did like five or six innings at least in his first two starts i was really excited to see his first start in la he looked great i was even more excited to see how he would bounce back in st louis he looked fantastic so this is a guy that i think that if the nationals can get going and he can be consistent and we talked about this before but if he can be consistently really really good for the nationals outside of the bull um, um outside out of the, this rotation and be that fifth starter especially with john lester out right now it just helps davy martinez so so much and in terms of how he goes about um, uh, s- scheduling these starts and, and how the Nationals will be able to move forward uh, with, with this rotation. Yeah, and it's been complicated for Davey Martinez so far. So to get good outings out of Joe Ross and even Eric Fetty is, is really great. He had 60 through 67 pitches in his season debut and then 89 um, in his last. So that's, I mean, that's pretty good. He's going to keep working up. And hopefully if he can have those same results when he's at his, you know, full capacity, uh, that will be be even better. And um, what was I going to say, Bobby? I just completely lost it. Well, just another note um, while you while you think of that, uh, to add, you mentioned Joe Ross's sinker slider, and he said he doesn't even have his changeup yet uh, after this start against St. Louis. So imagine his full arsenal being at full capacity, right, and 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 being a full go. So once he gets feel for that changeup to add to his two and four seam fastball, to add to his sinker slider, 
I mean, Joe Ross could be a lethal arm in this rotation. And, you know, you're talking about a guy with who has potential to be a number three or two starter in any other rotation. But because it's the Nationals, he's the fifth starter. Oh, yeah. So that's what I was going to ask you is, is do you think there's a possibility that he moves up into that fourth starter role moving forward? I guess it kind of depends on the status of John Lester when he comes back, so on and so forth. But do you think that's a possibility for Joe Ross or we're, we're taking it? too far <laughs> I don't, no i think that's definitely a possibility look the way he looked I, I i don't think i think he'd be kind of crazy to think that's not a at least a possibility right it all would all depend on john lester i i think joe ross can do as much as well as he can right i mean he can only control what he can control but if john lester comes back and let's say by start two or three he's really just pumping it and, and you know he's gonna be a crafty lefty at his age he doesn't have the velocity he used to have but he can places pitches anywhere he wants. Uh, I, I think that if, if John Lester comes back and pitches well, you know, he's John Lester. He's got to be your fourth behind your top three. But that's no dig at Joe Ross, right? That's just you're behind a World Ser- a three-time World Series champion, multiple all-star. There's nothing to hang your head about there. Uh, I, I just think that makes this Nationals deeper. And also, to your point, could he bump up? Sure, he can bump up to the four spot, but does that really make a difference? I think John Lester would really have to struggle. And even if he does, you still have John Lester going five. Can you imagine John Lester, your fifth starter? That must mean that they're pitching really, the other guys are pitching really, really well. Right, exactly. And, you know, the one good thing is in the first few series, I mean, getting shut out three out of those six games is when Joe Ross was on the mound, his offense got, gave him some run support and early getting ahead early really saves these pitchers um, and helps them settle in there. Whereas some of those other games, I mean, they get behind so early, it makes it really tough on your starting pitcher, especially in the state that this rotation is in right now. Yeah. And not to mention the lineups they fished, right? Atlanta, the Dodgers, and the Cardinals. I mean, those are tough lineups. So getting behind early is not is never going to be a recipe for success against those clubs because they've got a great pitching staff as well and an offense that can keep scoring runs. So if you're trying to keep up with those guys, you're already off to a bad start, I would think. Um, all right, Amy, any last kind of uh, final thoughts um, from this first nine games as we get ready for, to see uh, the Diamondbacks come to Nats Park? No, I just think it'll be exciting. They're home, seven-game home stand. A lot more fans in the ballpark is going to be exciting. I'll be interested to see how Patrick Corbin uh, uh, does in his next start. I think that'll be key. Obviously, they need him to to kind of step up because he's a, a crucial part of this rotation, and he he, he needs to be on his game. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Just checking out uh, some of the chats that we see on Facebook William Purdy is calling it. Kyle Schwarber is going to hit a home run tonight. So William, we're going to keep you. We're going to hold you to that. If he does, uh, maybe we, we'll uh, we'll celebrate somehow because you, you're calling your shot, um, guys. Uh, uh, Demario Welch say play smarter. That's something I'm going to talk to Mark Zuckerman about in just in just a few. Are the little things holding the Nationals back? Can they improve in that area? Um, so Their defense. Good de- I don't know, Bobby. <laughs> They've only got two errors in the field, but they've just made some. Some things that probably should have been airs, but yeah, just the way. Some other things like that. Um, Alex Barker, happy birthday, Bobby. Thank you, Alex. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Oh, so good. Thanks so much, everyone, tuning in and commenting. We really appreciate all the, all the input. Um, that's pretty much going to do it for our portion of this podcast. Uh, it was exciting. It's a lot to pack into a week again. It's the nine days off. We'll be back a, 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 probably a week from today, uh, Thursday off day podcast, which will be nice. Uh, next week, live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Oh, not Instagram, YouTube. I always say Instagram. It's never Instagram. Why do I do that? That makes <laughs> one no day, sense. One, one day, one day. Um, be sure to check out the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. Of course, wherever you find podcasts, you can find the Mass and All Access podcast. Subscribe to Mass and Nationals on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, and check out uh, my uh, series recaps uh, series, I guess, on the podcast. Uh, that's only audio. You can only check it out if you subscribe to the podcast on a podcasting platform. But after every series, I'm breaking down each game, all the big moments, hearing some highlights, hearing from the players and Davey, and then previewing the next opponent. Those usually drop the morning after or the evening of uh, a series ending uh, game, the last game of a series. So be sure to check that out. That's been a lot of fun. So far, hopefully we can get Amy on a couple of those as we get going throughout the course of the season and maybe some other guests. So looking forward to that at Amy Jennings news for Amy on Twitter. Be sure to give her a follow. She's a great follow. She'll be tweeting along with us throughout the course of the season. Amy, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a good week. See ya.
All right, that's going to do it for, again, like I said, for our portion of the podcast. Coming up next, Mark Zuckerman, MassInSports.com. He chatted with me earlier today about just kind of things that we may have thought too much about for the Nationals over these first nine games and some things maybe that we didn't think enough about. So here's Mark Zuckerman uh, from earlier today. Back on the Mass and All Access podcast, and now I'm going to bring in our MassInSports.com Nationals insider, Mark Zuckerman, who joins me via Zoom. Mark, you know what? I'm impressed because this is a daily grind, of course, you know that, but since we are face-to-face with the Nationals almost every single day via Zoom, you have changed your wardrobe every single day. I'm running out of clothes to wear to make sure that Davey Martinez thinks I'm not wearing the same old t-shirt every single day. Are you paying attention to what I'm wearing every day? I, I guess I have. I hadn't really thought about it. I did just do a load of laundry yesterday, so I, maybe I'm uh, starting over the cycle again now. I only noticed it the other day, I think, on a, and I was like, huh, Mark has a, a array of shirts that he wears, and I feel like I was wearing <laughs> the same old T-shirt two days in a row, and I was like, I really need to clean this up because Davey probably just thinks I'm a, just, just not uh, a properly dressed adult. <laughs> well, no, this this is good to know. People are paying attention, so uh, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Now, I got to make sure my rotation is is deep, just like a major league rotation. You need more than five starters. Yep, you, you're going to use seven, eight, nine over the course of the season. So hopefully, we both have enough to get through the season. Yeah, uh, well, I, I might have to hop on uh, online and do some online shopping, get some things delivered before uh, we get any further into the season, just to kind of show that I have an array of shirts to wear and stuff to wear, so Davey doesn't think I'm too much of a schlub. Um, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, I appreciate it. We are now nine games into the season. The first three series are complete. I guess you could say the first week. That first week of the season felt pretty long considering it was only nine games. Uh, just want to get some gut reactions from you of what we've seen so far. Obviously, it's only been three games that the Nationals have had their full lineup um, and pretty much their entire roster intact except for Will Harris um so you wrote an article on massinsports.com at the end of spring training before what would have been opening day about things that we thought too much about or glossed over so i want to kind of take the same idea and do it over some headlines that we saw over the first couple of uh the first week i guess of the regular season how's that sound no that sounds good bring it on let's see let's overreact or let's underreact yeah i like it all right so first up first and foremost slow start to the season with the depleted roster they're only three and nine uh, is this a big deal, or can we kind of gloss over this and move along as we get deeper into April? So three and six, and I will say that, um, no, it's not a big deal. Now, had it been one and eight, that's maybe a little bit different story. I do think the St. Louis series was important. That they were able to take two out of three there and salvage that. But, you know, all things considered, what, what they had to go through, the roster they had, and especially the the the, uh, the opposition they're playing. You know they've played probably the three favorites to win each of the three divisions, and that's the only teams they've played so far. So um, even if they were healthy and they went three and six, you might say that's kind of a rough start. But you'd say, all right, well the schedule was tough, so let's not worry too much about it. So all things considered, given the circumstances and who they played, I think it's all right. Now they need to turn it on here fairly soon against the Diamondbacks and against some of the other teams they're going to be facing coming up. But I view this as they, they, they managed to survive that opening stretch. And that was about as tough of circumstances you're ever going to find in a baseball season. And they survived it. Now you see, can they start thriving as they do get healthy and the competition maybe goes down? All right. I, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, that you never want to get swept. But the Dodgers series, that's, like you said, one of the best teams in all of baseball right now. And you, you, you have a depleted roster. Uh, you did think, though, going into that Sunday game with Max Scherzer on the mound and the way he pitched, you would have been nice to steal one. Um, and, of course, getting shut out, I think it was three or four or four or five games to start the season uh, is not ideal. On the note of Scherzer, uh, I mean, it's only been two for Max and Steven Strasburg and one for Patrick Corbin. He goes tonight, Thursday night, against the Diamondbacks to start this four-game series at Nats Park. But he had a rough start, too. So rough starts by... Your top three starting pitchers, of course, no John Lester yet. Is that a cause for concern right now, or do we think that everything will kind of play itself out and as these as these guys get their feet underneath them, they'll play uh, start pitching a little better? Yeah, so as a group, I'm not necessarily sure that I'm ready to be overly concerned, but on a more individual level, you go case by case, 
I think you could say there may be some things there. Scherzer, I'm not worried about. He was over-amped on opening day. We've seen it happen before. He salvaged it. I, I Really, since like the fourth inning or so of opening day, he's been great. He's looked like the real Max Scherzer again. Uh, so I, I'm not particularly worried about him at all. Corbin, it's only one start. And it was a bad start. And his command was all over the place. But his velocity was fine. He, of course, had the layoff, you know, didn't have a, a smooth schedule coming out of spring training because he was in the, the COVID protocol. So uh, let's see him. He's pitching tonight. I, I think it's a big start for him. If he looks normal, then you know we're good. If he has another bad one, okay, maybe it's time to start uh, you know, being concerned. Strasburg is the one that I think it's valid to be concerned right now because what we saw from him the other night in St. Louis was the kind of thing we just have very rarely seen from him in his career. Um, eight runs allowed. Only two other times in his career has he given up more than eight runs. Once of them was in Colorado, and it turned out that he was hurt. The, he didn't make his next start after that, and he was out for a while. I want to say it was an elbow injury in 2016. The other time was in Arizona a couple of years ago, and we found out that he was tipping his pitches. And that's why they hit, I think, four homers off him. That, of course, came back into play uh, during the World Series. So any time in his career that he has struggled to that extent, there's been some kind of reason for it. And the fact that they're saying that, that he's healthy, there's nothing wrong there, is a little bit worrisome. The fact that, you know, we have no reason to believe that he was tipping his pitches, that the Cardinals knew what was coming. Um, you know, to me, it's the velocity being way down, the command being down, the mechanics being off, uh, the body language not being good. I'm not even talking about the, you know, rubbing the shoulder thing. Uh, it's more like what I actually saw on the mound. So his next start, I think, is huge. He's got to turn it around. Now, he looked good in his first start, so that's the, the, the silver lining to this. Maybe this was a one-time deal. But of the three, he would be the one I'm most concerned about only because that was so out of the ordinary for him. And there wasn't really a good explanation for it. And historically, if he has been that bad, there has been an explanation for it. So let's find out, you know, in, in a few days on uh, Sunday, he's pitching. Let's see how that one goes. That's a big start for him. Yeah, definitely. And uh, to, to kind of piggyback off of that, the shoulder rubbing, I mean, I don't know how much... Um, we can make of this. I guess part of my question is how much of a big deal was it on Strasburg start Tuesday night, the whole camera gate, if you will, thing about the, the camera at Bush stadium shooting down in the tunnel. And that's where we saw Strasburg playing with his shoulder and neck area. Uh, of course, David Martinez and uh, Steven Strasburg were pretty upset after the game that that camera shot was allowed and broadcasted. I don't think the Masson broadcast showed it, but the Cardinals broadcast definitely did. Um, and that obviously circulated around Twitter. Uh, so I guess part one, is that camera thing issue, or can we put that to rest? That's not a big deal. And then two, how much of a big deal is it that Strasburg was rubbing his arm, his neck, and shoulder area? So I'm going to say it was not a big deal what he was doing uh, to his shoulder. And I think he did make a valid point there, which is all kinds of stuff happens during the course of a game and behind the scenes that we never see, that if we did see, you'd think, oh, man, you know, that's not good. There's a problem here, but it's actually routine. And, you know, I think back a few years ago, remember when Scherzer and Strasburg had that argument in the dugout and it got on TV and then they went down the tunnel, the whole thing blew up. It was, Oh my God, they're at each other's throats. They hate each other. This is bad for the team. And the message you were getting, and I think it is valid is that these kinds of things happen a lot more than we realize. They just happen out of our public view uh, and so for them, it's not a big deal. We make a big deal out of it because we don't see it that often. So to tie into the larger point of, uh, you know, should the, the camera angle be allowed? I don't think it's a problem to allow those kind of camera angles, but I can understand why they don't like it, which is to say that a wide audience sees that and maybe doesn't know the context of it, doesn't know that it is fairly routine to be working on yourself or have a trainer working on you in the middle of a start. And so they are going to blow it out of proportion. So I get where they're coming from. Do I think it was a violation? I, I, I personally don't know what the broadcast rules are and whether that was allowed or not allowed. Um, but I feel like we've seen, you know, shots of the tunnel before. You see things in the dugout and just behind the dugout. Um, and, you know, I don't personally think it's a big deal, but I understand why they do. And maybe really more than anything, what they just need to do now is help educate fans to understand all the stuff that does go on behind the scenes and what is a big deal and what isn't a big deal. Yeah, I would just add to that. I mean, I, I for the most part, I agree. I would just add to that, though. In this day and age, 
uh, in the past couple of years of everything coming out about science dealing. We've seen cameras and monitors back there. Um, you know, when that camera isn't showing, being on the broadcast, who's seeing that feed? You know, so that's the one thing that kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. That's probably, I would assume, makes Davey and Strasburg uncomfortable. Is like, who's, who, who's watching that full time? That isn't the general public uh, when it's not being broadcast. So that's the only thing that kind of I've, I would kind of, you know. And we've seen, of course, have seen this before. Uh, and you mentioned Strasburg tipping his pitches. You know, what if he was down there working on, you know, his arm movement or something? And that's another way to tip his pitches. And who's watching that? That's the only thing that would maybe draw some concern for me as well. So I, 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 I agree that that area behind the dugout should be pretty private for players on both sides. It's not just the visitors or home thing. On both sides, that should be an area exclusively for players, coaches team personnel, trainers, stuff like that. No, I think that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that aspect of it because it's not just what is being broadcast to the world, but who behind the scenes from the opposition may have access to that footage. And you're right. They're absolutely looking for anything they can pick up on. Uh, That's a great point. And and maybe that is reason to say that it should not be allowed down there. And to be clear, I'm not accusing the Cardinals of cheating whatsoever. I'm just saying that that could happen, you know, any stadium, um, any team. So they're just saying... I'm not pointing the finger at the Cardinals. They're saying it's it's better off that that camera is just somewhere else, in my opinion. So we don't even have to worry about it. Um, and I think I agree. I think for the most part, it's it's kind of a non-issue. We can move forward uh, from there. So let's stay with the pitching real quick and kind of wrapping up the pitching uh, staff. Uh, the bullpen has looked pretty solid for the most part so far, uh, uh, Mark. The only big question mark, of course, is Tanner Rainey. So Tanner Rainey, slow start. Is delayed his delayed spring training even? Let's go back even further. Is that cause for concern, or is he a you know is this where he would have been had he had a normal spring training, and we should see the normal Tanner Rainey in a week or so? And can the Nationals afford that luxury? Well, that's the problem: is can they afford that luxury? Because uh, if they had the full bullpen that we thought they were going to have, you know, the first couple of weeks of spring training, where they were like five or six deep, then it's not a big issue, and maybe you can ease him in. The problem is they don't have Jeremy Jeffress anymore. Will Harris is injured and working his way back. So they actually do need Rainey to be one of their lead setup men. And so far, they haven't needed to use him back-to-back days. But let's see. Now, they're in a stretcher where there are no off days for a while. And uh, David Martinez is going to have to utilize his bullpen. So that one, for me, is a little bit concerning um, because it's been noticeable. This is someone who was throwing 97, 98, 99 in the past, and he's at you know, 93, 94 right now. Now, I thought yesterday was better. I thought he had more life on the fastball. I think he's also done a good job of using a slider to get him out of it. So he's showing that he can adjust and find different ways to get hitters out. And that's all important in the long run. So in, in the long run, I don't worry. I don't think he's injured. I think he's just behind everyone else. But I do think that is a problem right now when they don't have maybe as deep a bullpen as you'd like to have, and when your starters are not going deep. Davey's been pulling his starters before 100 pitches, well before 100 pitches so far. So you need uh, as many reliable relievers as you can, and um, at some point here, Rainey's going to have to go back-to-back days, three out of four days, something like that, and he's going to have to show that he's physically ready to do that. Yeah, and I would think that, too, that at some point, I mean, and probably in the near future, my guess is, you might know better, but my guess is in a week or so, we're going to see those starting pitchers in their third, fourth start, start throwing closer and more frequently 100 pitches and that much, and going deeper into games. That's the ideal setup for this rotation, right? And, and so hopefully you won't have to be relying on your bullpen that much. Um, and spring training, Dave Martinez, of course, asked about Tanner Rainey's, uh, when he finally made his spring training debut, his decreased fastball velocity, and he said, "Look, he did this. He did the same thing last year in summer camp. He entered summer camp, his fastball was down. He ramped it back up, and he had a great season last year in a shortened season. So it might just be a, a, a matter of that. This is where he would have been with a normal spring training. Give it a week or so. But like you mentioned, I don't know if the Nationals can afford that right now with their starters not going as deep. Um, okay, yeah. go ahead." No, I was just going to say yes. I mean, you're 100% right on that. And, um, you know, it's why as much as we complain about how long spring training is, it is that long for a reason. And and it's for the pitchers. They need the time to build themselves up. And when they don't, the only risk here would be if he's not ready, but you have to use him like he's ready, that's when injuries can happen. And so they do have to be careful with that. And so maybe you won't see him pitching back-to-back days. 
But then that may mean that somebody who's not, you know, on that A list of their best relievers is going to be put into a, a tight spot late in the game because David may have no choice but to do that to protect Rainey and the other guys. Yeah. And with the decreased fastball velocity, of course, we're seeing a lot of loud outs, a couple home runs. He's given up two, two run shots, I believe, already. Um, he seems kind of early on. He was all over the place with his control. It looked like, but it seems as like he got a little better. Uh, it was yesterday in his outing in St. Louis. So hopefully starting to turn a corner there for Tanner Rainey. Let's move to the offense. And, and this is something that I, I didn't anticipate me asking you today, Mark, uh, but it kind of just popped in my head as I was prepping for the show. Um, of course, Josh Bell had a slow start to the season, right? I mean, he was part of that COVID list. He just joined the team on Monday in St. Louis. But should we be talking more about Ryan Zimmerman playing a little more than Josh Bell right now? I know Josh Bell is the starting first baseman. They've tabbed him as a starter. But Josh Bell kind of slow at the gate. He had a good day, his opening day. But I think those last two games, or actually he didn't play in the getaway day game. And Ryan Zimmerman has been, his bat has carried over from spring training. He seems to have really found his swing and benefit from that year off. It's a great question, and um, I think it's—I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we get to that point eventually. But I don't think that's the plan right now. I think they feel like they need to give Bell the at bats, let him get back in a rhythm again. He—he he is a streaky hitter, and he's a timing guy with his swing. He has kind of a long swing, and when it works, it's great. When it doesn't, he can go into long slumps. So I think they want to be careful not to, you know, to avoid that anything like. Like that would happen by benching him, uh, you know, for any length of time. So I think they're going to give him some time to figure it out. I think you, you'll still see Zim start probably. My guess is it's going to be two to one right now. In a three-game series, Bell starts two games, Zim starts one. You find the one that makes most sense matchup-wise. If the day game after a night game, if it's a lefty on the mound, uh, I think you'll see that. But it, it'll be fascinating because I'm not sure even the most optimistic member of the Nationals organization would have expected that Zimmerman would be doing what he's doing already. Uh, obviously, they always hope for that, but they probably were not counting on this happening from him. It's a great problem to have now. Uh, and, you know, ultimately, he's still going to be valuable for them coming off the bench as a pinch hitter, late inning defensive replacement. We haven't seen that happen yet. Uh, but I think for now, Bell still gets the bulk of the starts. If he does fall into one of those slumps, the prolonged, and Zimmerman, you know, is clearly the better of the two, maybe make a move. But that has long-term ramifications, and they have to be careful not to do anything there that could, you know, uh, uh, rock the boat a little too much before they need to. Right, and and I think you also mentioned on, on Twitter a week ago, or maybe even more, that, you know, hey, let's give this team at least a week with a full squad before we start making any harsh judgments on anybody. Uh, so, I mean, Josh Bell, of course, you know, he was talking about hitting wiffle balls in his apartment off a wiffle ball machine for a week. So, I mean, he's obviously a week or if not more back from what he would have been of uh, the season. So I think it is fair to give him a little more time to get his feet underneath him and his swing back and his timing back. It looks like a timing issue to me. I didn't watch too many Josh Bell games when he was with the Pirates, but from what I've seen so far, it just looks like his timing is just a little bit off still. And that'll come, of course, with more reps in my mind. Yeah, I think he's a little behind the fastball right now. And like I said, he does have a long swing. He, this isn't an Anthony Rendon just – you know, real quick, boom, use your wrists. Uh, it is a long swing. Like when it works, when his timing is down, it can make some for some big results. When it's off, it can get kind of ugly. And I think that's probably where he's at right now. The good thing about him, though, and I, what I've been impressed is he's got a really good eye at the plate. He doesn't chase pitches. When he misses, it's just his timing is off on a, on a you know pitch in the zone. But he, he drew a couple walks in his first game. Uh, he'll, he'll work the count somewhat. And I think that's a good sign. Uh, that at least he's seeing the ball well, and then it's only a matter of time until he does get the time down. Well, hopefully it's soon. Um, moving on, I, everyone loves talking about this topic, Mark, uh, and, and yesterday we got the first taste of it uh, in the getaway day in St. Louis. Victor Robles has been leading off all season long, got bumped down to the ninth spot. Trey Turner moves up to number two, or number the leadoff spot, Juan Soto to number two, rather. Um, is it a big deal that we saw Victor Robles get bumped down and, and Trey and Juan move up, or is it just something that we might see here and that uh, now and then uh, throughout the season? Well, I think it is something you're going to see now and then. Um, there are certain days and matchups that I think Davey Martinez likes the idea of Turner and Soto being his first two hitters, and that's fine. I don't I don't disagree with that philosophy. What I'm not a real fan of is the Robles hitting ninth, and for the reason of if you look at his career, by far, 
his worst production is when he hits ninth. It's like a 200 on base or 200 batting average, 250 on base percentage. And you know where his best numbers are? When he leads off. And that's not just, you know, from the first week of the season. That's consistently over his career. He's like a, a 280 hitter with a 350 on base percentage when he leads off. So as much as we want to say, oh, it's all the same and hitters don't pay attention, just treat it the same way. I think it's pretty clear that Victor Robles takes a different approach when he's leading off versus when he's hitting ninth. And uh, I know also, you know, they make the argument, hey, look, you're only leading off for sure once a game in the first inning. And after that, it doesn't matter. Well, you know what happened in yesterday's game? Victor Robles made the final out of an inning twice, and Trey wound up leading off three different innings of the game. So it does happen more than you would think. So uh, to me, if you want to see if Victor Robles is a leadoff hitter, put him up there and leave him up there and let it let it ride for a while. Let's see how it goes. I think he's done fairly well. Yeah, there's some room for improvement. He's reached base in every game so far of the season. That's what you're looking for. He He's not chasing pitches quite to the extent that he used to. I, he hasn't really been hitting the ball solidly, but he's drawing walks. He's been hit by a couple pitches, which is a part of his game as well. Uh, and Turner and Soto in the two and three spots have done really well also. So I would say just stick with it. Give it a chance to work for a while and don't be tinkering around, uh, you know, every every few days with it. But if you do ultimately decide that Robles isn't your best option at leadoff and you want Turner, Soto, one, two, I would just much rather see Robles hitting seventh or eighth than ninth. Uh, you're giving your pitcher more at-bats. It's not necessary. You're putting Robles in a spot that it's shown now over time that he's just not as successful in. Uh, so why would you keep doing that? I, I don't understand that. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think to, to Victor's credit, you're right. I think he looks a lot more patient at the plate. I think he has a better understanding of the strike zone, maybe some tips from Juan Soto in the offseason and spring training. He looks a lot more comfortable up there than we've seen, like, not chasing as much. Um, and like you mentioned, he's gotten on base every single game. So, yeah, I would agree. I think it's something you don't want to tinker with too much too early. I kind of get it on the getaway day. Um, the matchup maybe called for it. Uh, Trey Turner uh, absolutely mashes uh, Adam Wainwright. So that kind of made sense. But like you said, I agree that that's, let's not get too hasty with this and, and just kind of stick with it and see how it plays out over the four, first month of, or so of the season uh, and then make adjustments as needed. Um, last one, and Mark, this is an important one for you because you're a stickler for the little things. Are the Nats not doing the little things that well? Do they just not? Do, is this who they are? I mean, we know Davey Martinez uh, does a lot of t- you know drills in spring training. He pushes, he emphasizes this every single year. But you know, we've seen base running blunders. We've seen some errors in the field. They, not too many errors in the field, but we've seen just kind of small mistakes. And then when you have a record that's three and six, those small mistakes kind of loom large. Yes, I do think this is a big deal, and that is more concerning to me. This is going to be a, a characteristic of this team again, unfortunately. You're right. It's only a couple of literal errors, but there have been some mistakes in the field, and that have cost them. You know, they're three and six, but they could very easily be five and four. A couple of those games were right there for the taking, and if they just, you know, do one other thing right, either in the field or on the bases or get one more hit, they've got a winning record right now. So that can be reason to be encouraged. But I am discouraged at the lack of fundamentals. Uh, and I can't say I'm terribly surprised because this has been an issue, particularly on defense. You know, at some point, the guys you have in the field, this is just who they are. I don't know that anybody can reasonably expect that Josh Bell is going to be a great defensive first baseman. He hasn't had a mistake yet, but you can see some of those throws and his stretches or falls as they look like when he's trying to catch a throw. You know, that could come back to haunt them at some point here. You've got Starlin Castro, who you know, has looked fine at third base, but he's not a natural third baseman. You have Robles still feeling his way in center field. I think Soto's been pretty good in right. Schwarber, everybody says he's better than you think in left field, so let's see. I'm more concerned about the base run because those are mistakes of aggression where they're just trying to do too many things that aren't necessary. Uh, You know, Soto's trying to run more, and it hasn't worked out so far, uh, including in the game yesterday where that could have come back to haunt them. Um, so I didn't like that. I, things like not getting bunts down has happened several times already. There was a squeeze bunt attempt uh, that was a pop-up the other night in St. Louis that I just did not understand. Uh, pitchers haven't been getting bunts down. So there are a lot of little things they're not doing well right now. And while you could say maybe that hasn't officially cost them a game, it's not hard to connect the dots and see where it could cost them a game here soon. Uh, I think that stuff needs to be cleaned up, especially the base running part of it. 
don't give away outs. You know, they can't afford to do that. If you're, if you're going to run, you better be 100% sure you're going to be safe. If not, don't take the chance. They have a full lineup now. Let those guys hit. Don't take the bats out of their hands. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. And I think, for me, it's, it's the hitting with runners in scoring position. I mean, there's a couple times in the Dodgers series that loss to the Cardinals obviously got away from them, so kind of just chalked it up. Everyone has those kind of losses throughout the course of a season. But I think there was a couple instances, and the Braves, that doubleheader against the Braves, that they got swept. They had chances to tie the game, take the lead late, and you know the eighth inning just wasn't kind to them because they just couldn't get that all-important knock when they needed it with someone on second or third, 90 feet away. There was at least one time when they had a runner 90 feet away, I think it was Yadiel Hernandez, with no outs, and he didn't score. And that just can't happen at this level um, when you get an opportunity like that. So I agree. It's, it was a little worrisome. I know some fans were kind of worried about that, but hopefully it's just kind of early season bugs that they can shake out. Um, and work as we get closer to May and maybe Memorial Day weekend, that will be kind of fixed, uh, and Davey will have uh, scratched that from their mindset and their uh, their play. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate the time, of course. Always enjoy the conversation. Give Mark a follow at Mark Zuckerman on Twitter. Of course, check out his work on MassInSports.com. And don't forget, he's a podcaster now, Nats Chat Podcast. He's recapping every single Nationals game. Find that wherever you find your podcasts um, and give it a listen. Great insight from him uh, every single night. And, uh, Mark, really appreciate the time. Thanks again. Keep dressing sharp. (laughs) I'll I'll work hard for you, Bobby, now that I know you're watching. I'm, I'm always watching. Thanks again, Mark. All right. Thanks, Bobby.